Are you ready to listen to my dad, Joe, and Uncle Justin talk about sports? Now on with the show. The Joe Mays and J-Raph Show is brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop, which have been serving the greater Westlawn area delicious food for over 70 years. You are listening to The Joe Mays and J-Raph Show. Boring. A... <clears throat> weekly podcast about sports since 2011. Don't you ever get tired of being wrong all the time? With a focus on football. Kansas City 31, San Francisco 20. Mahomes takes the snap. He's just going to throw it long for Demarcus Robinson. It is going to use up all the time. The game is over. And the Chiefs kingdom has firmly planted its flag on top of football's highest summit. Kansas City Chiefs are champions of Super Bowl 54. Now, here are your hosts, Joe Mays and Justin Raffoff. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to the Joe Mays and J Raff Show. I'm one of your hosts, Joe Mays, and Phoning in again this week to abide by the global pandemic, uh, I guess, rules as they have become, is Mr. Justin Raffoff. Yeah, um, here we are, <laughs> you know, away from each other again, but uh, that's kind of the the safe and uh, the way we should do it, I guess, right? Yeah, it's uh, the the new normal, right? That's where we're at now as we uh, chug along here um, right. through past the three-week mark, um, if you're going by when uh, um, at least the Wilson School District shut down at the end of day on Thursday, March 12th. And since then, things have been rapidly changing, uh, not necessarily for the better. And uh, here we are on April 5th with episode 302 of the Joe Mays and j show. But we have another fun sports topic this evening. Despite there being no sports in the last, what, 24 days or so? Yeah, way too long. Yeah. And and we're, what, was it you, was it last week that you brought up that Adam Schefter or somebody had tweeted, like, how long it's been since there's been an April with no professional sports? Yeah, they, he and, got uh, it from Elias that there's yeah, been and, and at least one of the major four sports, and obviously football hasn't been played in the spring uh, it was always baseball, basketball, or hockey. I think it had been, what, was 137 years, if I'm remembering correctly? Something, something crazy, yeah. yeah, it was the last time there wasn't any uh, major professional sport, um, at least in America, was um, in April, what would that be, 18, 1873? Is that right? Am I doing uh, my math right? No, 1883. No. Yeah. Yeah, 1883. <laughs> Yeah, Sorry, yeah. I'm, I'm blanking. I'm unable to do math at the moment. So, <laughs> um, but that's okay. That's okay. We, we don't have to be known for our math. What are we talking about tonight? Oh, a lot of stuff based on statistics. So, yeah, it's a good right. thing um, math is failing me at the moment, but that's fine. <laughs> it's it's okay. So, we are going to do something. It's it, it's sort of an abbreviated or a slightly different or tangential to something we wanted to do weeks ago. For our, you know, kind of our own March Madness type thing, a bracket challenge, we were going to whittle down 
our favorite player for each of the Philadelphia sports teams. And then, you know, the coronavirus stuff kind of got in the way and switched things up. And we decided to change that because we, we were going to start at the weekend that they had announced that March Madness wasn't going to be happening. So it kind of felt a little um, off to do our own bracket type thing. So maybe we'll revisit that some year. But we pivoted and Justin came up with an idea of doing our own Mount Rushmore's of Philadelphia sports. So this evening, we are going to examine the Phillies, Flyers, Sixers, and Eagles in that order and say what our um, foursome would be that, in our opinion, and each of us individually, not as, as a collective show, represent those four professional clubs from the city of brotherly love. And I think it's going to be fun. It was a, an interesting exercise, especially for me. You know, I've, I could have easily done without much research, the Phillies and Flyers, the Sixers. I had a pretty good idea because I don't think more than a handful of people really stand out. And when you're talking about longevity, that kind of knocks down a few, I think obvious ones that people might've considered, but then Eagles for me was tougher because I think I, off the top of my head, had only one or two. Um, so I had to look into that yeah. one a little bit more. But I, it'll be interesting for us to talk about each one of those. And uh, I guess before we dive into that and start, we're going to start with the uh, baseball team, the Phillies. I just do want to put the contact info up since we've been uh, doing the show now for over nine years and we're over 300 episodes. Just want to remind everyone how to contact us. You can do so at the May Sandwich Shop email inbox, Mays and JRAF at gmail.com. You can also give us a call on the May Sandwich Shop hotline, which is 530-563-6297. I don't know if that'll work properly tonight because that is currently how Justin is calling in uh, to be on this show. So maybe the best ch- the best chance for you to be heard this evening to give your Mount Rushmore or uh, submit a question is to do so via the email or on social media, Facebook and Twitter. Look for at Joe Mays and JRAF or at Joe Mays and JRAF show. So um, we're going to start with the Phillies. And um, I'm going to start I'm going to start with the Phillies first, let you do the Phillies, and then you're going to go back and do the Flyers. So we're kind of rotate in that manner. Um, okay. So I'll good. go first, you go second, and then you go first, and I'll go second. We'll just rotate through them like that. Um, so up first, and I don't know, you're, you probably don't have this pulled up in front of you, but I have my, on my image, um, we'll see how many uh, people can guess before I start talking about them. So my Philadelphia Sports Rushmore for the Phillies, and it is up on the video now if you're watching on Facebook Live, Periscope, or YouTube. From left to right, hopefully people can figure it out. I tried my best to shove their faces on that mountain. And uh, it is Mike Schmidt, Harry Callis, Chase Utley, and let's see, who was the last one I picked? Any any guesses out there? It's, it's It was tough. I'm, gonna I'm not going to lie. It was very, very tough for who to decide. But the last one I did was Richie Ashburn. Okay, I was going to say Philly Fanatic. No, I, I, I was thinking about that, but I, I, I had no problem considering um, things like founders and owners uh, and broadcasters and things like that. But I didn't, I didn't go into the mascots because I think the fanatic 
over the last, you know, what, 35 years or so now, as we are hearing based on the lawsuits, uh, Fnatic is quite easily and may possibly be the most recognizable mascot, at least in North American professional sports. So he definitely, I wouldn't argue against him being included, but I did stick with the uh, people of, uh, you know, the actual human variety. So fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. So that, that was my top four and that's not really in any order. I just, that's the way that I shoved their faces on the mountain in the, in the picture I made. Um, So Mike Schmidt, I, and I think most people listening to the show will agree that not only is he the greatest Phillies player of all time, he is the greatest third baseman in major league history. So I don't think there's any way that you could exclude Mike Schmidt from being on the Phillies uh, Rushmore. And, you know, what, what is there left really to say about Harry Callis? He was the voice, you know, it's someone that people just, attached to he was to a lot of people he was like another grandparent um at least in in the the later years and the years leading up to uh, his unfortunate passing and then the Phillies winning the World Series in his uh, final full season calling the games he's someone that was intimately attached to Phillies baseball and someone that when someone mentions the Phillies to me Harry Callis is easily one of the first people that I think of then third, I wanted someone from the modern era of winning the 2008 World Series, and I could have picked from a variety of people, um, including Jimmy Rollins, uh, Ryan Howard, Cole Hamels, um, and I have a lot of love for Carlos Ruiz, but I think overall, in terms of productivity across the board and his all-time willingness to improve, I, I had to go with uh, Chase Utley, um, you know, who Harry Callis refers to as the man in uh, in that incredible clip. But, I, I, you know, I can't really argue against any of those other modern era guys being included on there. Um, in terms of wins above replacement, which is one of my favorite stats that the baseball sabermetrics use, um, Chase Utley ranks second in Philly's history. Um, you know, he's, n- he's not close to Mike Schmidt, but no one is close to Mike Schmidt, but Chase Utley is second. And, you know, I wish things would have ended better for him in Philadelphia, but injuries kind of ended, um, a lot of the, uh, people that we associate with the glory days of the Phillies from, you know, 07 to, you know, 2011 or so 2012, but Chase Utley, I think deserves to be on there. And then the last spot was the toughest for me. Because I was down to a few people. Richie Ashburn, who ended up getting the nod for me. Um, I, I felt like I, I, I wanted to include him, but then I was like, wow, I don't really have any pitchers. So what pitcher could I possibly put on there? Um, and four came to mind. One I already mentioned in Cole Hamels. But looking overall at his statistics, while I, I think he was on par or close to um, the metrics of Kurt Schilling, I, I favored Hamels because of him winning the World Series and the World Series MVP, but he also was overshadowed by two um, two other pitchers, one of which, uh, well, both pitched in the World Series, one one in Steve Carlton and then Robin Roberts. So it, it was kind of a three-man race between Richie Ashburn, Robin Roberts, and Steve Carlton, and in the end, I went with another positional player in uh, Richie Ashburn, and I think the tiebreaker there was his 
broadcasting career after the fact. So he kind of had the uh, one-two punch uh, for me in Philadelphia, being both a prolific player and batter and then broadcasting with Harry Callis for so many years. So just to recap, my Phillies or my Mount Phillies is Schmidt, Callis, Utley, and Ashburn. All right. So I, you know, and like I said, and like you said, I can't really argue. I'm not going to argue like necessarily against any of those. Um, I really like, you know, some of those picks and they're going to, you know, there is a little bit of overlap here. So when I, when I look at mine, um, I'll get the one right away. That's going to be the overlap um, is going to be Mike Schmidt. And like you said, um, I know some of our listeners specifically, maybe Baltimore Oriole specific listeners, they argue that, um, you know, they had some pretty legendary uh, third baseman as well. And I would agree with that. And they've got a couple guys who can probably argue for like the second best third baseman of all time, but Mike Schmidt is the best third baseman of all time. And like we did when we did this a few years ago, when we looked at, um, when we looked at how, like who was the best baseball player of all time. Um, and like Mike Schmidt in terms of third base is the best and it's not really that close in my opinion. No, you're um, right. But, but anyway, it like, I would, I, I absolutely agree with, with some of those, but Mike Schmidt has to be on there. He, um, um and, I'm going to go, Sorry, yeah, not, not to cut you off, just to uh, emphasize your point there. Um, the Athletic, which we always talk about, these are not paid sponsorships from them. Justin and I just really love the coverage of The Athletic. During the quarantine here when no live sports are happening, they've been coming up with ideas to keep you know, articles going out. One of the best that they did recently, which one is that always interests me, is like the best player to ever wear a jersey number. And they did team-specific ones, but they also did league-specific ones. So baseball did one recently, and Mike Schmidt was the choice for number 20. And they go into talking about third baseman and the Orioles always usually getting upset um, that it's not um, Robinson. Uh, but, yeah, Mike Schmidt is has to be part of your Phillies uh, mountain. I, I can't see how you could ever, ever leave him off. And Justin and I nailed that one together um, perfectly. However, the other three are all different. And um, I, I mentioned all of his other three, but I'll let him talk about why he included them now. Yeah, so when, when I look at Carlton... Steve Carlton will go down as one of the best left-handed pitchers of all time. Um, and that's why I had him on the list. I know he had some years before he was in Philly, um, but he was a huge part. He was on the team with Mike Schmidt that brought the first World Series to Philadelphia before our lifetime. Um, but just when you look at some of those, when you look at his numbers over the years, um, just incredible numbers. He won 28 games one year as a Philly. Like, that's that's crazy. Um, but you, you look at some of those just kind of nuts. Um, Robin Roberts was another one that's on there. And again, you know, I feel like this, I was kind of splitting hairs when you look at like Richie Ashburn and and some of the other guys there, it it was really tough to kind of pick. Um, you know, the Phillies don't have the history in terms of like the number of hall of famers as some of some of the other teams. But when I look at like Robin Roberts or, Richie Ashburn, some of those guys, you could pick any of them and put them on there. Absolutely. I went with Robin Roberts. Um, the one that's kind of like people may 
like question a little bit for me is Jimmy Rollins, but I went kind of, and it's crazy because we've been talking a lot about like statistical things and, and rightfully so, but I feel like Jimmy Rollins um, was one of those guys that they really kind of, I don't think they have the success a decade ago or in a decade plus ago without him. You know what I mean? Like he, he brought some of that swagger and yeah, he had to be reeled in sometimes, you know, he got benched in New York for showing up late and, you know, things like that. But he was also the guy to go out in spring training and say, we're the team to beat when everybody was picking the Mets. You know what I mean? Um, he was that kind of guy. And one of the things, and I know it, it gets a little dicey because um, you can look at it a couple of different ways. I feel like Chase Udley is definitely undervalued outside of Philadelphia, um, even though he's one of the best offensive second basemen of all time. And, as you mentioned, when he came up, there was talk that they were going to have to move him to first base because of his defense, and he improved so much of his defense, and he made one of the best plays in World Series history, and if he played for a team like the Yankees or something, it would be probably rated one of the best plays in World Series history. When he faked the throw to first and threw home in Game 5 of the World Series against Tampa, Yep, um, it was unbelievable. I remember like Greg and I were sitting there in the stands, 300 level, and I said to him, I'm like, that's one of the best plays of all time in baseball when that happened, because like that saved a run in a one run game. Um, it was unbelievable. So Chase Ali certainly worthy. You talk about war right up there. I picked Jimmy for some of the intangibles, but also one of the things that pushed him over the top was, and I just seen this article the other day. He is one of four players ever in baseball ever to have a 20 home run, 20 triples, 20 doubles, and 20 stolen bases in a season. Only four guys have ever done it. And, like, when you talk in baseball, there's only four to have ever done it. That's insane. And to make it even a little crazier, there was only two guys until 2007 when Curtis Granderson and Jimmy Rollins both did it. Um, But it happened in 1911, Frank Schultz. It happened in 1957, Willie Mays who we say is the best baseball player of all time. Yes. And then Curtis Granderson, who is a really solid career. I think, honestly, his career probably is similar to Jimmy Rollins. But then you have Jimmy Rollins, who is the Phillies' all-time leading hit, like hit king. He has more hits than anyone in Phillies history as a Philly for a franchise. Like, just to clarify, I know Pete Rose played for the Phillies, but not for his whole career and things like that. But Right, he didn't sign with the Phillies until he was 38. Right. Phil, right. Jimmy Rollins has more hits as a Philly than anyone else in history. Um, and I just feel like, and again, yes, those, you could pick almost anyone from that squad. Um, Ryan Howard, Chase Utley, um, you know, Hamels, you, you referred to. Um, I know some people would throw like Victorino and like guys like that in there. Like, and I understand you can make a case for all of them. I just feel like Jimmy brought something to that team, that swagger that that was essential, and um, they kind of lived up. Like he put the he, you know, we talk sometimes about teammates writing checks at the 
that their teammates have to cash. And Jimmy certainly did that, but the team like backed him up. I feel like the team lived up to his, yeah. to his expectations. It was the perfect storm <laughs> to have that, that swagger and attitude and confidence, um, proving that it wasn't cockiness because it, he was right. Like that's the dip. There's a thin line between confidence and cockiness. And the Phillies in 2007, 2008, 2009, um, really were able to capitalize on, um, guarantees and and the amount of confidence that certain players exhibited, and uh, it, it's funny you could come up with an entire Mount Rushmore easily, maybe even twice over, just for that team from 2007 through 2011. They were that impactful oh, on the uh, on the Phillies as a program, uh, as a baseball club. So, um, anything else to say about your your Philly, your four Phillies? Um, no, I mean, I think, I think we're good there. Um, like you said, it, it's really hard in baseball. I feel like is maybe the hardest. Well, no football is really hard too, but like when you look at like comparing the generations, it's so difficult, you know what I mean? In baseball, there's so much history and like, let's think that the Phillies were so bad for so much of their history that it's like, it's, it, it's kind of tough. Like, all I have to go on are the numbers. When I look at guys, basically, I remember Mike Schmidt playing. I don't really remember a whole lot. I just remember that he was a Philly. You know what I mean? Like, right. Um, and then he was very good, and you know all those things. Steve Carlton, that was before our time. Uh, you know, obviously Robin Roberts and Richie Ashburn. Richie Ashburn, the announcer, was around, but Richie Ashburn, right. the like that was all before us. So like. Jimmy Rollins, that's my wheelhouse. I'm, I I know those guys. Right. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah. So, yeah, I don't really have anything. I, I'd be interested to know what uh, some other people think. Um, yeah, I have. You know, I've um, the comments, I do I've have. i in the comments that someone someone said, um, it's a completely legit mountain, but I'd love to see some 93 Philly love. I love know. That team. I know. And then they said. They followed up. They said, I know there isn't a single player from that team that deserves to make the list, but it was a fun team. <laughs> no, I mean, well, you could make a 93 Phillies Rushmore, too. Like, they, they're well, not yeah. going to crack the overall, you know, 120 plus, almost, what, almost 125, 130 years of the Phillies organization. Um, they're right. not going to make it because I think the ones that we talked about, our co- combined seven, I feel like is a, is a great start for anyone to pick four from. Right. Um, we can easily make one for the. 08 team and in that area, which I think you're pretty much looking at Rollins, Utley, Howard, Hamels, and then you're going to have people that really are high on uh, um, Ruiz. Maybe you throw in Lidge or Victorino. Uh, but 93, I mean, oh boy. You know, Lenny Dykstra finished second in the MVP vote that year. Um, right. He, he would obviously have to be on there. Uh, Darren Dalton, John Cruck, uh, where, you know, where do you go? With the fourth spot, you know, are you do you are you crazy and you want to throw Mitch Williams in there? I mean, just because of the optics, just like his name association, you could easily do that. But um, the amount of incredible players that were on that team with Mickey Morandini and uh, you know Kevin Stocker, a, a mid-season call-up that ended up taking over the shortstop role for that team, uh, Jim Eisenreich and um, um, was it yeah. Milt Thompson? Uh, yeah, you know, just an incredible amount of characters and, and what that, that was the first time that I really fell in love with baseball was that early nineties team. The Phillies had been so bad until that 93 year. And it was, uh, just like magic. I remember listening 
to the games on uh, radio while at my grandparents' farm and just being so excited that the Phillies were actually good and they were a fun team to right. watch. Um, yeah, absolutely. All right, so I, I do have okay. here um, an email from uh, your dad about his okay. Mount Rushmore candidates. So he got his top four, um, and we touched on most of these. Uh, Mike Schmidt, uh, included on both of ours. Steve Carlton and Robin Roberts, which were both on yours. And then his number four, though, was Jim Bunning, who we didn't give any any, uh, any love to okay. in our discussion. But um, I know his name was floating floating there while I was doing my research. He just didn't make my cut, but definitely a candidate to be included. Uh, I believe his name was dropped in the athletics discussion on jersey numbers as well. Uh, and and your dad gave um, a few honorable mentions, kind of like we talked about, and he threw out Grover Cleveland Alexander, so going way back with that one. Uh, and then three uh, more modern-era guys that we talked about, Chase Utley, Jimmy Rollins, and Cole Hamels. And then he also mentions Richie Ashburn as well. So a couple a couple new additions there, but pretty much – uh, right where we had been with our discussion for um, the Phillies. And he, he follows that up with few that could get there in the future based on, you know, literally right now, um, Bryce Harper and JT Realmuto uh, both could get there um, in the future, depending on how the next few seasons go. And I, I completely agree there. Uh, I love Realmuto. I, I, I hope they are love- able to extend him. Right. I would love to have to revisit this in a few years, you know. Yeah, that would be a, a positive sign for sure. So um, next, let's do the Flyers. And I'm going to let you All go right. first, but since your dad sent okay. one for, for each of them, well, I'm going to read his Flyers before we get into ours. Um, okay. I think it. I, I think we're going to be cycling through a lot here, although I know that I have a few different from both you and your dad. But your dads are Bobby Clark, Bernie Perrant, Ron Hextall and Bill Barber. So um, <laughs> those are um, some pretty pretty big names in Flyers history. And if you look at your your list compared with your dad's, it is exactly the same. So yeah. why don't yeah. you uh, well, why don't you uh, the, get us up to speed with right. these four Flyers legends? Of the eight spots, seven of them have been the same for me and my dad. However, he went on the list. Maybe he he thinks Mount Rushmore, they're just going to put faces the whole way around the mountain. You know, I, I don't know. But um, when when I look at the Flyers, um, this one was tough for me. One of, well, I okay, as of right now, these are, like, I probably follow the Flyers the least of the four. I still follow along and everything like that, but like in terms of like sit down to watch a hockey game, it probably happens the least of, of all of these teams right now at this point in my life. It wasn't always like that though. Um, but when I look at it, like there are Flyers players that I love, but I just like, I can't put them on the list over the guys that I have on here for me. Um, and I, like you said, I have Clark, Perrant, Barber, and Hextall are my four. I almost left Hextall off. Because I'm like, can you go with two goalies? But I'm like, Hexall. Can you go with two goalies? And you're talking about the Flyers. I mean, that just goes to show right. how awful right. the Flyers have been for the last 25 years in in goal. Right. But I look. I'm like, how how can I leave those guys off? Like they're the best players on the best teams of the Flyers. Like to me, I had to go with those guys. 
some close calls for me and were um, Simone Gagne. He was like, he was my favorite player when, like, when I was really into the Flyers for a long time, like, he was my favorite player. Um, I also liked, like, John LeClaire, man. When John LeClaire would just, like, plant himself in front of the crease, like, and just be an immovable force. Right. Um, you know, some of those guys, um, like, I love Ron Brindamore and his, uh, and his, you know, crooked nose, you know, all, all that stuff. Like, those were guys that I loved when I watched, but I'm like, I can't put any of those guys on there. The tough one, and this one I went back and forth on, was Eric Lindros. Um, and again, I think this, this is, I don't mean this against him, but I feel like the potential is there and he's probably my like four B, but like, I have to go with Hextall for me as a flyer. I know Lindros went on and, and played beyond his flyers years and had some, had more success again. Um, but I feel like I, while I don't blame him the way it was perceived at the time it happened, he kind of took a bad rap for a lot of that. I feel like a lot of that has changed or in some people's eyes anyway. Um, I feel like there's still, despite the whole, without the whole blame game thing, I feel like there's still a, what could have been with Lindros more so than with the other guys. No, I get it. I mean, those, those four, I think, on the like, if someone asks you on the spot and be like, name like the four greatest flyers, I feel like the ones that you and your dad picked are, you know, they make a lot of sense because, well, other than Hextall, they all have their number retired by the team, which is kind of a big deal. So, you know, I I, I definitely think you're well. Three of them are from the heyday of the Broad, Broad Street Billies and winning back to back World or World Cups, Stanley Cups, and then you have a goaltender that kind of transcended the game because of his brashness and his ability to score goals from his own goal, and what he was able to do, um, for better or worse, as an executive in the league, both outside of Philly and in Philly, and despite what you think about him after he's left he's built the core of the team that is winning now. Now, maybe he didn't pick the right coach and didn't add the right veteran presence, but, you know, at the time of the season being put on hold, this Flyers team was comprised mostly of Hextall guys, and they were all very young and talented, and the Flyers were the best team, easily one of the best teams with the the Bruins and Lightning in, in the East. Um, and who knows yeah. what would happen if the playoffs, if they could have uh, played a few more weeks and gotten to the playoffs. But the Flyers were looking very, very strong. So uh, Ron Hextall is a guy who was under consideration for me. Before I move on to mine, I'm just going to throw up on the screen one more time. Justin's, uh, Mount Flyers, Bobby Clark, uh, Perrant, Barber, and Hextall. So two goalies and two goal scorers, all of which played a lot of games for the Flyers. I think it's funny that both Perrant and Hextall um, both traded away by the Flyers before making a triumphant return. Um, it's always interesting. It, hockey always was one of those to me that you got a lot of homecomings. Like teams always traded them or let them go in free agency when that came around, and then they always made their way back. And we just saw it recently with James Van Riemsdyk. Um, and I know it happens in baseball too, but f- the the uh, hockey always seemed to stick out to me that there was a lot of people returning after they had already been sent packing once. But um, let's get to my Rushmore Flyers because um, it, it's it's different. I have only one overlap and only two players on my list. 
So what's it going to be? All right. So my Mount Flyers are Eric Lindros, Bobby Clark. I have pictured Lauren Hart, but I cheated and went with the Hart family. And Ed Snyder. I just don't know that you can write the history of the Flyers um, from the beginning to um, at least you know a decade or so ago, 15 years or so, um, without the four of them. Obviously, starting with Ed Snyder, well, because he was the founder and, and, and owner, and he was uh, a big name up until his passing about four years ago. And he helped bring hockey to Philadelphia. And I think it's one of the best choices that um, a Philadelphia sports owner has ever done. Uh, Ed Snyder was beloved by the community and he uh, did a lot of great things for the Flyers. You know, they couldn't get over the hump after early success, you know, within the first 10 years of the team existing. But with the uh, outpouring of uh, love and support four years ago at his passing, I think everyone understands how significant a role Ed Snyder played in uh, the history of the Philadelphia Flyers. Then um, Flyers fans know Lauren Hart now being the anthem singer, but, um, you know, and everyone loves hearing her and her renditions of the variety of songs that she trots out to sing, um, mostly usually the uh, Star Spangled Banner, but God Bless America as well. But her father, uh, Gene, was a longtime broadcaster. And a little bit before our time, Justin, he's not someone that maybe clicks with our generation, but I know our, our parents uh, for sure, because I know my mom and dad talk often about um, Gene Hart calling Flyers games. So the Hart family, I think, is someone to be included in this list of Flyers greats. And then my two players are obvious. One already talked about by you and enlisted by your dad, Bobby Clark. I mean, what is there to say about Bobby Clark? He is Mr. Flyer when it comes to a player. Um, it's him. He leads the franchise in points, um, over 1,200. He played uh, over 1,100 games for the team. Uh, he averaged over a point per game. And you know he was the heart and soul and the, the full embodiment of a scoring machine but also toughness and you know the city just fell in love with those teams in the 70s and you know Bobby Clark obviously played a huge role with the Flyers after the fact and despite his semi-retirement now he still um, is present with everything to do with the Flyers so he has to be on there uh, just like Mike Schmidt has to be on the Phillies one, Bobby Clark has to be on the Flyers one. And my last one is Eric Lindros, and I know you talked about leaving him off. Uh, I, I wanted to get a quasi-modern player on the list, and I just don't think anyone embodies the uh, style of play that Philadelphia wants than Eric Lindros. And while he had issues with the team and management during his the end of his uh, career with the team, um, Honestly, I think in the end he was proven to be correct in a lot of his assessment, and uh, he was very forward-thinking when it came to player health, especially surrounding concussions. And uh, thankfully, the organization and, and Lindros have reconciled, and they have given him his due. He's gotten strong ovations when he's returned for alumni events. And um, a few years ago, I think two years ago, this past January, his number was retired with all-time Flyers greats. And it was a deserving honor because, um, you know, in terms of uh, his – 
points per game, no one was better in orange and black than Eric Lindros. He averaged 1.36 points per game with the Philadelphia Flyers, which is just absolutely incredible. Incredible. Uh, he, when he was on the ice, he was a difference maker. When he was fully healthy, he was what everyone thought he could be. Uh, unfortunately, injuries derailed his career, um, and he never became the, the next one. But um, when he was healthy, those mid to late 90s teams were absolutely dominant when he was on the ice. And um, you know, he was one of my first um, athletic role models. He's someone that I always looked up to and, and wanted to uh, – you know, envision myself being able to play like, which I know was nowhere close to um, the real thing. But yeah, he's someone that will always um, jump into my mind when someone mentions uh, the Flyers. A um, couple of people that missed out on my list, but were in consideration. I think really the only one of late that has a chance to push this, and it depends on probably how the next two or three years goes, is Claude Giroux. You know, he's been team captain for a few years, and he's been with the squad since, I think, 2008. Um, he played a few games in, in 2008. Uh, he, he started to make a name for himself with that crazy 2010 run to the Stanley Cup Finals, and it's become his team essentially after that season, or after the 2011 season. It's been all about uh, Giroux. Uh, I hated leaving Bill Barber off for sure. Uh, that one hurt. but um, And the goalies, too. Um, I know my mom always loved uh, Bernie Perrant and Ron Hextall, but um, I just felt these these other four, um, to me, were um, more deserving. And, um, yeah, there's, there's a lot from um, th- that 70s era that uh, I wanted to consider. But And you mentioned a few from, like, the 90s, too. Uh, you mentioned Rod Brindamore, and I, I always uh, enjoyed John LeClaire and, and Mark Reckie, and on the defensive side of things, Eric Desjardins. So... Um, yeah, there's a, a lot of guys that I was able to consider, but in the end, I had to go with Lindros, Clark, Hart, and Snyder. Yeah, that that makes sense. And uh, I, as you were naming guys on the current team, I know it's I know this is getting way ahead of ourselves. I agree. Drew would be the guy who, if there's someone on the team who has a shot at it, he you would have to put it, him at the top of that list. But I look at don't sleep on don't sleep on my boy Carter Hart. We maybe we can get a third oh, boy yeah. on there eventually. So yeah, we'll, we'll if <laughs> the existing or the current embodiment of the Flyers can win, or even just maybe make the finals once or twice in the next five years, I think you'll see a lot of these guys have strong consideration. If Drew can finish out his career and be a well, lifelong right. Flyer, uh, and oh, they man. win a cup or get to another one or two. You know, then, then talk him, put him up there right away. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's closing in. Um, if he can stay healthy for about another two seasons, he should hit a thousand games played with the Flyers, and only one player has ever done that, and that's Bobby Clark. So yeah, that's that's not so. All right. So I'm trying to see. If, do we have any comments about the Flyers here? I'm trying to make sure that I catch everything. Oh I've, yeah, we I've definitely have some monitoring. new ones here. Um, I've kind of been monitoring there. Yeah, well, your dad asking about the enforcer, and then Tom saying Dave Schultz. Right. Uh, yep. Um, and, and and Ian asked about Giroux if if they win a cup, is he on the list? And I honestly, like basically, I look at it. If they were to win a cup, to me that would mean that Giroux would have to be playing well on a Stanley Cup team for the Flyers. It becomes hard to take him off, you know. Right. At, at, at that point. Well, like I said, um, he's already third in games played. He's fourth in in points. Um, in a Flyers uniform, both of those things, he will end up being second or third. 
And if he wins a cup or if he would win, you know, if they would win two cups or something in the his final years, I don't know that you could keep him off. I mean, he'll have, by that point, he'll have played. He's already at 14 seasons with the Flyers. This listed him as being a rookie in 07. Now, I think that was wow. just a few games. I think he was first full season might have been 08. But, you know, that means this year would have been his 13th full season with the team. You know, so you're, you're talking right. about a long, long time um, with one squad. And if you can get back or win a cup or two and be second or third in games played and points for the organization, Drew would have to crack that list, I would think. Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, end the Flyers here and move on to the next one, um, and that is going to be the 76ers. So I'm going to start off with this one, and then we'll make sure we get your dad's list in before coming to you, Justin. Now this one, I, to me, I feel like there was only about five people, five or six that would be in the running, and I think, Justin, you and I had a pretty good overlap here Um I think we differed maybe on one, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, let me see. Uh, so mine are, yeah, yeah, we are off by only one. So I had Julius Irving, Allen Iverson, Charles Barkley, and Maurice Cheeks. So you know which one we're different on then, Justin. Um, yeah, yeah. But the yep. one that we're different on is the only other one that I really considered. And I know there are going to be some people wondering where Wilt Chamberlain is. But and Justin and I have mentioned this a bunch of times, uh, specifically off air. I don't know. We don't talk basketball too much on air. But Will Chamberlain, despite having success with the Sixers, he he wasn't a a long time member of the Seventy Sixers. I don't know that most people would. I think see him in a Lakers uniform. I would think. I don't know. What do you think, Justin? Yeah, most of his best years were not with the Sixers. He had phenomenal years with the Sixers, but it was a short run. And yeah, it, like, um, yeah, it's it just, he, he, you could consider him because of how great he was. Right. But when you look at like the guys that make this list, their careers peaked as Sixers or even not peaked, but like they had a strong run as a Sixer. Yeah. Um, and, and you could, yeah. So I, I think, because like, it's hard to say that Charles Barkley peaked as a sixer because he played on some great teams after that, but he was the best player he on was those Sixers. A dominant teams, you know? player so, for the Sixers for, for like eight for years. For a long time. He, yeah, he played for the Sixers for eight years. Like, like it wasn't like uh, just two or three. So. Yeah, so um, th- that's my four there before talking a little bit about each of them. But uh, yeah, Dr. J, AI, uh, Charles Barkley, Maurice Cheeks. Um, then the only other two I considered, Will Chamberlain has to be considered because he's one of the all-time greatest basketball players, and he played in Philadelphia, and um, your dad mentions him. He scored 100 points in a game. Like, think about, like, how crazy is that? You know, people get are super excited to see someone drop 50, and then, you know, you see someone hit 60 or 70, and people just go nuts, but this guy dropped himself triple digits in a game. At Hershey Yeah, in Hershey at Hershey Park Arena, so you know that's kind of a big deal. But because of his success, mostly being outside the Seventy Sixers uniform, I didn't include him. Uh, But he obviously needs to be in the discussion. And if you include him, obviously I'm completely okay with that because he's one of the greatest basketball players to ever do it. Uh, But to me, I went more with the longer term Philly 
guys or guys that um, contributed a lot um, to the 76ers. And it really, Julius Irving was my number one. I I think he's in, in that respect. When you think about longevity, um, Julius Irving is the guy he played there for 11 seasons or parts of 11 seasons, um, over 800 games. And, um, you know, essentially basketball's version of war of wins above replacement is VORP and Julius Irving leads the way for his time with the 76ers. Um, so he was, he was definitely my number one on there. And I think a lot of people would agree with that. And, um, I knew Allen Iverson would be on there just because he was the guy that I grew up watching and enjoying, and, and he was bait, made 76ers basketball relevant um, you know, in our, our high school time, and it was fun to watch um, his 76ers team play. And um, you know, he made 76ers basketball relevant again after it had kind of gone downhill um, after um, some of the dominant teams of the, the early to mid-'80s. You know, they had Barkley in between that time, but that was it. Um, AI put the team on his shoulders and they found a few pieces to go around him. And, um, you know, they had to go up, unfortunately, with one of the greatest teams ever in that uh, 2001 Lakers squad. But uh, Allen Iverson's time in Philadelphia, while it wasn't perfect on or off the court, um, he's clearly one of the top four 76ers players and deserves to be on the mountain with the likes of Charles Barkley, who, again, was putting up ridiculous statistical feats on some really dismal Philadelphia teams. The fourth spot was toughest because it was down to Maurice Cheeks, uh, Moses Malone, or Will Chamberlain. And again, I favored Cheeks because in a Sixers uniform, he has the fourth highest VORP and um, played in over 850 games, actually a few more than Dr. J did for the 76ers. And obviously, Mo Cheeks has also had a long coaching career with a stop in Philadelphia. And your dad actually mentions in his email talking about loyalty and Mo Cheeks has certainly showed that for the 76ers. So those are my four, Justin. Um, well, we overlap a lot, but I'll let you talk about your four, especially the one that I haven't touched on much yet. Okay. So absolutely. Um, you know, Barkley's on there. We kind of mentioned he had some great years elsewhere, but he also had a lot of success in Philadelphia um, for some really bad Sixers teams. Um, but I, I had to include him cause he's, you know, he's a hall of famer. And honestly, when you look at the Sixers and you talk about hall of famers, it's, you can, you can kind of get stretched pretty thin at, at points. But then Iverson's on the list. I'll come back to him just to talk to him a little bit. Dr. J man, when you look at the numbers, they're just absolutely absurd. Like he incredible, absolutely incredible. I put Moses Malone on, and this one's tough because the, for the same reason, I don't include Will Chamberlain on there, you know, because he didn't play a ton in Philly. You look at Moses Malone, and not all of it, you know, there isn't a ton of time spent in Philly during that time. However, the time that was spent there includes the year he comes to Philadelphia, they win they win a championship. Right, 1983. You know, so, right. So, um, it, it's tough to not include that you know what i mean because you look at that time but just think about that i mean two of the guys well all right so two of the guys for for basketball that i have moses malone and julius irving overlapped in time Mm -hmm. you know what i mean and it led to championships yep and then you also had 
if you go back to the Flyers, three of the guys I had overlapped yeah. in time. Yeah. And it led to two championships. And then if you go to the Phillies, two of the guys, Carlton and Schmidt, they overlapped in time as well. So like, man, imagine when you get a couple guys that are on your best evers at the same time, it's a good thing for the team. Um, imagine that. But I have Moses Malone on there. You, you look at his career, obviously, it's, there's a lot of things on there. However, um, it doesn't all like come with the Sixers. However, you also get a finals MVP in there, which which is kind of that, – that's a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so he got the nudge. Mo Cheeks absolutely could have gotten it. Like in the coaching aspect, you could throw that in there. Um, one of the things that I find really interesting is like, and you mentioned it and by the numbers, Dr. J is, is the guy, but Oh my gosh, like I love Allen Iverson. He's the, he's the first, well, that's not true. Michael Jordan, when I was a kid, you know, was like the NBA guy that like, you know, you, you watch, but like in terms of sixer, like Iverson was the first like sixer that I like actually like, liked watching like when Barkley was on the Sixers the Sixers were so bad I honestly didn't and I was little I didn't watch a lot of yeah yeah Barkley left after 92 so right so like I didn't see a lot of Barkley playing I knew who he was I knew the Sixers were bad um but like Iverson that was when I was in high school and and beyond and he was the best player on that finals team that went against the Lakers and it wasn't even close the next best players is Kembe Mutombo, but oh, it's, right, but right, or Aaron McKee who won Aaron McKee, Man of the sixth year man, was, yeah. right. Like the best, player, the second best player in the team was the sixth man. You know, like what's that tell you? Mutombo was a huge act acquisition that year, but they only got him because the center they had broke his finger and they had to trade because it was late in the season. They needed somebody to be a center. Um, Iverson was unbelievable, and like. The, when they won game one and he had the like iconic step over of Ty Lue, um, that was the only postseason game that Lakers team lost that year. They they were undefeated coming into that into that game and then they won the next four against right. the Sixers. But yeah. like that was the only game they lost in in the playoffs. Um, that that is one of the best teams of all time, and Iverson single handedly beat them in game one. Yeah. Um, and he just had no help there. Like I look, he's Iverson, um, you know, gets a rap, you know, for all kinds of things, but he was, he was on the all rookie team. He was the MVP in the 2000, 2001 season, 11 time, all-star three times steals champion. Um, it's just, yeah, it, he was unbelievable. Um, and, and you match it up where he's six foot, if you're measuring him with like new sneakers on, like he, he pound for pound is one of the best players in NBA history. And so like I give him a, the nod and this is one of those things where I say it and I, I mean it, but like, I understand people don't always do it the same way, but to me, Iverson is the best sixer of all time. And I know that's blasphemous to some people, but I'm going to say it anyway. Alan Iverson's the best sixer of all time. So yeah, I put it out there. Hey, you can put out there whatever you want. It doesn't mean everyone's got to pick it up. I mean, uh, well, now it's on the internet. That means it now, the and the internet right? is forever. So 
we'll see how that goes <laughs> for you. Um, I do want to, I, I missed that my dad had texted us during our Philly segment to say that he, he would replace Chase with either Steve Carlton or Jim Bunning on, on my list. Um, he, he favors Carlton or Bunning um, over Chase. Um, but I haven't heard him about any of the others, which is a little surprising. Although maybe this will get him to text again with you saying Allen Iverson is the greatest 76 of all time. Because I think he's squarely in the Dr. J camp for sure. So, um, all right. So, um, your dad points out that Sixers have only won two championship and the first was with Will Chamberlain. Um, I don't, I don't believe so. Didn't they win in 80 and 83? Yes. Wilt Chamberlain retired in 1973. Okay. Well, you would know that better than I because um, I don't know much about the basketball um, bef- other than 83. <laughs> and, right. 80 and 2001. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think so. Uh, well, I, it's amazing that I can look oh, that Oh, you know up. what? You know what? He played for the Philadelphia Warriors. Yes. I think before he, yeah, but that, that was that was in okay. the sixties. Yeah, so that might be. So that that I, you know what I had overlooked that I forgot he played for the Warriors before he played for the yeah. Sixers fifty nine through so, sixty two, but then they didn't they move to San Francisco. Right, right. So yeah, yeah. yes. Well, yeah, but. Anyway, like there is an extended time there, but it is a little different. So, yeah. Oh, he played for the 76ers from 65 through 68 and then moved on to the Lakers in 68 through 73. Um, right. But yeah, I mean, it, it, in 61, 61, 62, and when he was 25 for the Philadelphia Warriors, he averaged 50 points a game. Right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's crazy. To yeah. average 50 points. Yeah. I mean, his his time with the Warriors was absolutely absurd. The Philadelphia Warriors. Um, you know, his years with the Sixers, he only averaged 33.5, 24.3, and 24.1. Only. That's half <laughs> his output at this time when he was with the Warriors. I mean, come on. What a slacker. Right. What a slacker. So, all right. Well, let's wrap up the 76ers discussion and move on to football and talk about the Philadelphia Eagles, and since this is right up your alley, Justin, I'm going to let you go first. So let us know who is on your Mount Rushmore for the Philadelphia Eagles. Okay, so my my Mount Rushmore for the Eagles is going to be Steve Van Buren, Reggie White, Chuck Bednarik, and then here's the one that can throw some people off. It's going to be Andy Reid, right? And I'll, I'll explain that one in a bit. First of all, Steve Van Buren, when I'm looking at stats, um, running back for the Eagles, four of the, his eight years, he's led the league in rushing, like four-time league rushing camp. That's, that's absurd, even, even way back when he was playing. Um, so I had to put him on the list. Chuck Bednarik, uh, one of the greatest defensive players of all time, or one of the greatest players of all time. He played all over the place. Um, and there was a bit when he was, um, well, there's a, there was a stretch where he was kind of not uh, like, I don't know, kind of angry with modern football and it was a little rough with the Eagles, but I think they, they, they kind of patched things up for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, so like, that was good. 
um, Reggie White, the minister of defense, um, just, oh my gosh, like he, he's one of the greatest defensive linemen of all time. Right. Um, and when you watch his, his plays, if you watch Reggie White highlights, how he just throws around grown men, like tackles, like 300 pound guys, he just one hand throws them out of the way. It's unbelievable. All right. And then, so here we go. I'm going to go with Andy Reid. And the reason I'm going to go with Andy Reid is because of the long-term influence he had. First of all, the Eagles were were awful most of my life until Andy Reid came on, right? So Andy Reid comes on, turns things around rather quickly. Then I know he didn't get over the hump, but he took them from a team that was always losers to expecting Super Bowls and the fact that he didn't, like when a Super Bowl was, you know, in Philly was enough to, for people to drive him out. But this is this is where I this is where I look at it. So I understand there are other people you could put on the list, but if if Reed wasn't with the Eagles, then Peterson doesn't come to the Eagles, right? Like that's the connection. That was the connection that Lori had. That's why he hired Doug Peterson was because of his ties to Andy Reid and the, and the familiarity there. And all of the things that we currently have with the Eagles, including Super Bowl 52, like none of that happened if it weren't for the groundwork that was laid by Andy Reid. I almost put Jeff Lurie on here because he took the Eagles from a laughing stock to one of, again, this is my bias coming through, but one of the best organizations in football. And, so Jeff Laurie as an owner was someone I considered putting on the list. I took it down a notch and put Andy Reed in there. I know he didn't get the job done, but he laid the foundation and without him, none of the success that we have enjoyed with the Eagles happened. Or maybe it does, but you can't play that game. You know, it's like, Oh, well, if they would have hired Belichick, maybe they go to every Super Bowl. Like, no, that's not how it works. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think they hired Doug Peterson. I don't think they have the success that they've had if they hadn't been through that stretch with Andy Reid at first, where he helped change the culture in Philadelphia. Yeah, I mean, I don't disagree with uh, Andy Reid's contributions, and he was under consideration for me just because of his coaching success all time, and majority of that has come with the Eagles, but with him not winning the Super Bowl in Philadelphia, he's not someone that I could put on that list. And my list is interesting just because as I'm sure most of the people watching or listening to the show know that I'm not an Eagles fan. It's the only Philadelphia team that I don't root for. So this is me coming at it from um, an maybe a slightly unbiased perspective, but also not as well informed. Like I know enough about my Eagles to not make a fool of myself, but you know, I'm not as invested. So um, it may not matter as much as someone like Justin or uh your dad, and I want to want to talk about your dad's here because he sent in the Rushmore. But um, y- your dad is very upset about the way we talked about the 76ers because um, he would like to point out that uh, they did not win the championship in 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 '80. Um, it was in the '66 '67 season with Wilt Chamberlain. Um, they set a record for winning percentage that year, going 68 and 13, finishing first, winning the championship over the Warriors, four games to two. Wilt was the MVP. Um, They had massive amount of success um, after his departure um, in the mid-70s. Obviously, we're talking about the era of Dr. J, but they lost to the finals in 77. Um, They lost the finals again in 1980. 
and then in okay. 82 before winning in 83. Um, so those teams were electric, but could only manage the one world championship after the 83 season. But the first 76ers title was it, during the 66-67 season with Wilt Chamberlain. So I do want to get that on the record. So that I'm we glad can you be- got that straight because he, he probably would have failed to follow social distancing and come over here and like <laughs> and yelled at me. Um, uh, for sure. So let's get to your dad's Eagles Rushmore candidates. Um, and he goes with Reggie white, Steve Van Buren saying that he's the leading single season rusher and has two, um, professional championships. Chuck Bidnarik, 14 years, missed only three games, led them to the 60 championship and Harold Carmichael. Um, you, you've mentioned, you mentioned a few of them, um, actually three of them, um, in white Van Buren and Bednarik. Um, and you went with Andy Reid. He went with Harold Carmichael. Um, so again, I almost went with Carmichael. Carmichael was on my list, and I took him off and put Reid on there. Yeah, Carmichael now a Hall of Famer, right? And he was also on my short list again. I think I ended up having about seven Eagles that I needed to whittle down. Um, and you're going to see two of the four that both your dad and you mention are on mine. So why don't we? Why don't I pull up my list here and get? to it um and there's definitely going to be one that may be a bit of a surprise here but again um i tried to balance my eras a bit um and uh well let's just see what i went with so um appearing on my list and yours and your dad's is chuck bednarik and that should be no surprise if you um you know if you know me and the way i that i like football and a a two-way guy playing center and linebacker that sounds like someone that I would really enjoy watching play football. Um, he was yeah, just that, that is literally that is literally your like mo. <laughs> if he would have wore fifty four, like all he needed to right. do is wear fifty four, and it would have been perfect. But yeah, Benaric. I mean, he's got a trophy named after him. You, you got to make a, a Rushmore somewhere if you got a trophy named after you, especially one of the best college awards out there is named after him. So yes, Chuck Benaric is on my. Rushmore. Um, up next here in my list um, on the faces is, and he is included on mine, is Brian Dawkins because I think he's the face of the Eagles. And despite him not winning the Super Bowl while he was in Philadelphia, um, he was an incredible defender, an incredible player. Um, he ranks third all time in um, Pro Football References approximate value with the club. So I think. Oh my uh, gosh. You're, you're going to get no argument from me. That man <laughs> deserves it. Um, I've always a Brian Dawkins fan and, um, I won the Brian Dawkins award when I was in high school, um, not from the football team, but from the marching band. So, um, Brian Dawkins always has a, a a place on my football team. And, um, now this is the one that I think maybe is surprising to people. And I, I really felt like someone had to be representative of the Super Bowl championship. And I, it's too early to put Doug Peterson up there, you know, it, it, Things could change, but I just can't get on that bandwagon. And because, you know, the jury's still out um, in, in in certain capacities on Carson Wentz, he wasn't the guy leading the team to that Super Bowl, so I couldn't put him on there. Uh, and I'm not joining uh, Tom and anointing Nick Foles just because he was the quarterback on the Super Bowl team. If you start telling me that just because you won a championship, you deserve to be on the mountain, that is going to lead to a slippery slope for uh, a lot of awards and um, recognition. So just because Foles was the quarterback when they won the Super Bowl doesn't doesn't uh, mean too much to me. So I couldn't put him 
on there. So I went with a guy who, uh, honestly, I think at times is incredibly and criminally underrated, but is one of the best defenders and has been that way for, you know, you're closing in on a decade now, and that's Fletcher Cox. Um, you know, he's a top 10 player um, in Philadelphia history. If you go, if you like the approximate value that pro football reference uses, uh, he's a guy that I think, uh, you know, a few more years and he's going to work his way up even higher and has the potential to be a top five player um, while wearing um, Eagles green. Uh, I don't know that he's quite going to get to Brian Dawkins level, but I think Fletcher Cox, if he has a few more successful years, and especially if the team has success along with him, um, I think he definitely deserves um, to be in consideration. Uh, and then my last guy is one that you and your dad also mentioned, and that is Reggie White, because he's one of the greatest um, football players ever. Uh, it's a shame that he couldn't finish his career with the Eagles and decided to move on and essentially was the driving force behind modern free agency. But, you know, that's the way it works sometimes. And uh, his contributions both to the Eagles and as the NFL defender at large can't be overstated and absolutely deserves a place on the Eagles list. Um, Harold Carmichael and Ron Jaworski were two of the others I considered. Um, and another one that I, I really contemplated putting on there, but I think I kind of went with Dawkins over him was uh, Donovan McNabb, which I know a lot of people may not want to hear that and, and still have a sour taste with the way things uh, went with him from time to time. But he was the starting quarterback for the Eagles for essentially 11 seasons. And, you know, he was absolutely electric for many years. And one of the reasons that they were as successful as they were under Andy Reid. Um, and Andy Reid, another guy that I considered putting on, but just because he couldn't get over the top and get that Lombardi, he just fell a bit short. But I, I don't um, hold it against anyone like Justin that put him on the list. So that's where I'm at as someone who isn't a diehard Eagles fan. Those are the ones that uh, jump out to me. And I'm sure some people may be scratching their heads with Fletcher Cox, but I felt that someone from the Super Bowl team should be on there. And to me, because of his... Um, tenure with the squad and his dominance at times on that defensive line. Uh, he's the guy that jumped out and is the one that I'm putting on there. Yeah, no, I like the Fletcher Cox pick and I feel like he's one of the most underrated guys in the NFL right now. I say that I, I know people who are really paying attention, like know how good he is, but I feel like if he played for a different team again, or was a bigger name, I'm not saying he's Aaron Donald. They're not the same player. Um, but like they, there are times where Fletcher Cox plays like that dominant style of football. And I feel like it's just for whatever reason, maybe he's not in LA or whatever. It's not the same like push um, that others get, but I'll take Fletcher Cox over almost any defensive lineman, in the, especially the interior guys in the NFL. Like he's, He's unbelievable, and he played. He, you could probably say he's the best defender on the Super Bowl team. Like you know, the team that won the Super Bowl championship, and that says a heck of a lot when you are the best defender on the best team. Now I know that defense gave up a whole bunch of points in this Super Bowl, but in the games leading up to that, they didn't. Like man, you talk about the defense pretty much got into the Super Bowl, and then they were able to like get it together offensively in the Super Bowl. Like, so pretty, pretty amazing. 
For sure. So, um, you know, a lot of great discussion tonight about our picks. And obviously this is something that not everyone's going to agree with us on. And that's cool. Um, you know, leave your um, Rushmore's for Philly sports in the comments. Or, hey, if you're a fan of another team, uh, throw it in there. Uh, maybe maybe the start of our next show, I'll throw out what uh, I think would be my Dolphins uh, Rushmore, which, I mean, you can pick that, two. Of, that would be that. Honestly, you should probably be able to pick three out of the four without even – in terms of if you're guessing what mine would be, you can should be able to pick three of the four immediately. Although I think I could name all four right now. Um, <laughs> so I mean, it's honestly I think it's pretty easy because you know I'm picking Dan Marino and Zach Thomas, and I don't know how you can't pick Don Shula or Larry Zonka. So I don't know. Maybe that would be a lot more straightforward than I'm thinking. I know there'll be people that outside of my mind that wouldn't include Zach Thomas on that list, but to me. For my Miami Dolphins fandom, it's got to be Marino, Thomas, Shula, and Zonka. And I didn't, I wasn't even around to watch Zonka play, but I mean, he's Larry freaking Zonka. Larry Zonka is going to make that mountain. So, so, so Thomas makes it over, um, Jason Taylor? Yeah, to me, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, 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 I mean, I love Jason Taylor and he's a Hall of Famer and he deserves to be. Um, but in my view, um, I, I would put Zach Thomas there, and that, that's that's an immense amount of bias coming from me. But if it's my Dolphins Mount Rushmore, it's it's Zach Thomas, Dan Marino, Don Shula, and Larry Zonka. So, all right, so we're gonna wrap it up there. We went a little bit long, but I knew this would be a topic that would generate a lot of discussion with uh, at least Justin and me. But I'm glad a lot of people joined in on the Facebook page. And, um, you know, make sure you like and follow us across social media, especially Facebook and Twitter. And uh, check us out on SoundCloud and on YouTube. And uh, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and a variety of other podcatchers. Uh, We will not be here next week. Next week is uh, Easter Sunday. So we will have the night off. But we'll be back in two weeks, which will be our NFL Draft Preview. That is coming up. Um, in just over two weeks, two and a half weeks from now, it's um, they'll, on they'll Thursday. Be, they'll be doing it just like they'll be doing it just like we're doing the show. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, they they just they want to be us, so they we're just decided, hey, we're gonna forego all that money and and what Las Vegas can bring, and we're gonna just do it remotely. Um, but they're probably gonna get killer ratings because people are gonna be have starved another two and a half weeks of sports, and that's gonna be the first thing. Well, I, I think they could have I, I a, a lot somebody, of success. I, I saw somebody say they're like they're like don't get me wrong I'm gonna watch but they're like I really have no idea what exactly it is I'm going to be watching and um, I think it was Rich Eisen chimed in he's like you're not the only one or something like that <laughs> <laughs> excellent excellent so all right Justin thanks for calling in again um, have a good yeah, work of uh, digital online learning as that gets launched yeah, to the Wilson School District. <laughs> Yeah, getting ready for my office, my online office hours tomorrow. So, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, good luck to all the students and the teachers going back to uh, to do that. That'll be a learning experience for everyone involved. Um, stay safe and healthy, everyone. Continue to social distance, and hopefully we can get out of this uh, soon enough for everyone's uh, health and future and, um, you know, more narrow-minded to get the sports world back and have some live action stuff to talk about rather than made up stuff. Although this has been really fun the last few weeks. So, um, thanks for joining us. This wraps up episode 302 of the Joe Mays and JRAF show. Like I said, we'll be back in two weeks to talk NFL draft. 
That's a wrap on this episode of the Joe Mays and J-Raff Show, brought to you by Mays Sandwich Shop. You can watch each weekly episode live on Facebook, Periscope, or YouTube. Be sure to like, follow, or subscribe to the show on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Google Play. You can also rate and review us on many of these platforms as well. We'd love to hear from you. Send your emails to the Maze Sandwich Shop inbox at joemaysandjraff at gmail.com. The Joe Mays and J-Raff Show is a part of the JMNJR Radio Network, home to other productions such as the Bulldog Hour, Tangents with Friends, and Nat Chats with Dad. Until next time...